Welcome back to the Sports Masala Podcast. My name is Koshik, and I'm here with my brother, Gotham. Gotham, give us a hey. Hey, hey. This episode on the Sports Masala Podcast, we're going to be discussing diversity in sports. It seems like a topic that is very poignant in today's day and age, and even more important to discuss with the massive revelations in the NFL. Gotham and I are really excited to talk about this topic because not only have we grown up you know, potentially not having the same opportunities because of the color of our skin. But it's also one of the main reasons why we started this podcast, which was to give a a unique perspective and a diverse set of voices to inject into an otherwise very white industry. All right, so Gautam, I know we wanted to talk about first kind of laying the groundwork on some stats within the industries, within the major sports leagues, and then kind of breaking down different components of it, different news stories, and then talking about why diversity is important in not only the the construction of the team from people in ops all the way through the players, executives, management, all the way through to the fans, right? Because I think diversity has to be embraced by the fans just as much as it is by the organization. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think diversity is one of those things which is either often an afterthought or a box checking exercise. And in reality, it needs to be neither of those two things, right? There is intrinsic value to diversity and there is intrinsic value to respecting someone's skills, intuition, and abilities, regardless of the skin color or gender. So I think it's a really important topic here that we should talk about. And I want to start with trying to understand some of these baseline facts here and statistics that we have. So in the NFL, we know a large portion of the NFL is made up of African-American athletes, athletes of different races. How many African-American head coaches, though, are in the NFL? Currently only one, which is Mike Tomlin of the Pittsburgh Steelers, who has been around for 15 years. This hiring cycle has already shown where multiple African-American head coaches lost their jobs. Brian Flores, winning season with the Dolphins. We'll talk about that later. Two winning seasons in a row with the Dolphins, which they haven't done since 2003 and still got fired. And still got fired. We have the head coach of the Houston Texans also got let go after one season. I mean, did the man even have a fair chance at doing something with the organization? Suspect at best. He didn't have Deshaun Watson. Tyrod Taylor was injured out after the first few games. Like, what is he supposed to do? Yeah, it's brutal. And even outside of that, it's like if we look at who are the diverse coaches just within the league, look at Robert Sala, right? We talked about him. We talked about Sean Desai, right? And he's interviewing for other defensive coordinators positions because I think he was let go by Chicago. So it's a handful of people who are not white and in positions of potential authority and ability in the NFL. So it's really sad to see that in this hiring cycle, there were, I think, nine or 10 openings. Five have already been filled by white men. And every team that has been asked about it has said, well, they're the most qualified for the job. And I would like to think that If you looked at someone outside of what their name sounds like or their skin color, you might actually be genuinely surprised at what they can bring to the team. 
So it is, it is really sad in the NFL that there is only one African-American head coach, but I am very happy as a Steelers fan that we do that, right? That we, that we care genuinely about people, not about their race, but about what they bring to the team. Tomlin has his flaws, 100%, but at the same time, everyone else does too. So give everyone a fair shot. Don't look at the color of their skin. And I think you actually have a recipe for, for success. Look at what they can bring to the team. Yeah, it's it's truly stark to imagine someone who's got the resume of Eric Bieniemy to not even have a chance, really, for any opportunities. If I assure you that if Kellen Moore is considered a better coaching candidate with one year experience being a quarterback's coach or offensive coordinator than Eric Bieniemy, that is not qualified. There's some definitely some different qualifications you're looking for. And maybe if that's a qualification that he can't change, well, maybe then that you should reconsider what that qualification is. Completely. Yeah. It's uh it's a challenge not just in the NFL, right? Is there's there's one black driver in Formula One, Lewis Hamilton, right? He's one Sir Lewis Hamilton. Sir, because he's been he has been upgraded by Her Majesty, right? Um yes. but at the end of the day it's a very expensive sport, right? And then there is very much a disparity in opportunities for people of color compared to people from white backgrounds in sports. And it's, it's really unfortunate in, in the era that we live in that people think that, oh, well, we have one person that should be enough. Like there are only so many spots so like, how many do you expect us to give? Like how many spots do you expect us to give so that you can say we are diverse? And that's not how diversity should be approached. If you are doing diversity right, you don't have to talk about it because the people are intrinsically going to be unique and diverse, whether it be their skin color, their perspective, their life experiences, whatever it might be. But the fact that we have to continue to talk about it shows that we are nowhere near where we need to be when it comes to, when it comes to diversity, not only just in sport, but in, in, in society as well. Yeah. You bring up a lot of great points on that. Diversity is not about handouts. It's not about giving, you know, opportunities. Oh, we just have to let them be there. You know, it's, it's not about that. And anybody who thinks that really needs to start checking themselves. It's about giving qualified folks an opportunity and building a pipeline to make sure that you do have qualified candidates. It's not one or the other, it's both. And as soon as we recognize that, that it's not hard to do, there are qualified people. And if we start to really look at what qualifications look like, then you'll realize that diversity opportunities are available, but it can't be just diversity for the sake of diversity. Because if you look at it, right, we look at NASCAR, how many African-American drivers are there? Two? One, two, yeah. you look at the NHL, what, how much percentage of the league is Caucasian? 97%. I have to, it's insane. I, say, I had to think over 90. You're saying 97. Like, these are professional sports leagues. These are representative of what America and other countries have to offer in a lot of cases, right? These American sports leagues, a lot of the players come from America. So they should be respective and reflective of what America looks like. And by looking at these statistics of leadership and, you know, 
makeup, that is not the case. No. And, and you really have to wonder why. Oh, completely. And if we, if we just go down the line, right, like through some of the major leagues in the U.S., the NFL, WNBA, we'll go through the NBA, MLB, and MLS, right? The NFL has 74% of their players are people of color, right? But if you look at head coaches, it's only 13%. And this is as of stats of 2020. And this year, it's going to be even worse, right? Because it's one out of 32. It's it's ugly. 3%. It's, it's ugly. And in the WNBA, 83% of the players are people of color. And 25% of the coaches are people of color. So there is some improvement there. The NBA by far has the best kind of ratio. Still pretty bad, right? 83% of the players in the NBA are people of color. Whereas 30% of the head coaches in the NBA are people of color, right? So where's 83%? Where's 30, right? We're not asking for parity as people of color. We're just saying, give us a fair shot that when you consider us for an opportunity, that you consider not our race, but our ability. And I think that is something that we really want to emphasize in this episode, that it is not, again, as Gautam said about giving us handouts or saying, hey, we're going to allocate X percentage for diverse candidates. That's not what we're looking for. We just want you guys to give us a fair shot that when we show up in the room, that you don't look at our names and think, oh, well, they obviously won't fit in because my name isn't John Smith, right? Um, It's look at what I can bring to the team. Look at what I can do. Look at my knowledge base, right? Like we had Minnesota hire an African-American energy derivatives trader as their GM, right? Like give people a shot. It doesn't matter what their background is. You're asking them to look at a complex problem with multiple moving parts and to understand and analyze. That is not a skill that is strictly restricted to having, have you run a football team before, right? Or have you run a baseball team before? You could be in various walks of life and have the actually very qualified skill set to do the job. Again, just don't look at our name and say, Oh, well, they couldn't. How could they know this? Right. And, and, and give their us potential a potential is limited because of their name or because of the color of their skin or their gender. Yeah. Right. Those are not limitations. You have to look at ability, but also what's the future? What can they do? So I want to bring us back here a little bit to talking about diversity and outside of people of color. Right. Just look at gender. Right. Women make up 51 percent of the world's population. Yet. How many finals, bro, in terms of tennis finals? If you look at referees there, right? Refereeing should not really be a gendered sport. I mean, it doesn't really seem like there should be that much intrinsic difference between what a male or female. But out of the last 54 finals, how many have been ref by women? Three. And they've Three. all been U.S. Opens. Exactly. And what I don't understand is that they're equally qualified, right? If men can be umpires for the women's game. Why can't women be umpires for the men's game? It's uh, it's just really surprising. And what is sad is as much as we mention it, it's often overshadowed by the fact that they're like, why does like, it should not matter. Right. And if it doesn't, if it doesn't matter, if there is a man or a woman refereeing the match, 
then why why is there such a such a large sway for men versus women it does it just doesn't make sense the math doesn't add up right if it's the statistically significant it is statistically significant that that men are getting more opportunities than women and it's there doesn't seem to be any correlation with their actual ability or whether it would matter or impact the match at hand and it's not just in men's tennis but it happens in in women's football as well like in women's soccer right so there are only currently two female refs in men's football why right and they've never until october 2021 they had never had a female referee a world cup qualifying match guys we're in 2021 like what is 2022 now 2022 now and what are like what is the deal like why aren't qualified people getting an opportunity it cannot be because of of race or gender and it just doesn't make any sense to us why people who are who are minorities in a lot of these areas aren't getting the same opportunities that that they would otherwise be afforded so i want to take that and take it a step further here and say that it's about getting opportunities right and it's about having potential and doing things but when you have those opportunities available, right, or you're making them available, they have to genuinely be available, right? You shouldn't be like, oh, okay, I need a diverse person to apply for this job before I can close the rack. And when I go through the interview process, I'm just, you know, they're the token person I just have to keep in the pool so I can go forward, right? And you would think that that wouldn't be the case, but that's not exactly what Brian Flores is alleging in his lawsuit, is it? No, and it's, it's sad. If the allegations are true from Brian Flores, it's a real blemish, right, on on not only the NFL, but the sports industry. And just to kind of break down some of the things that he was asked to do, you know, from getting paid money to lose games to going in for interviews where people either showed up unprepared, uninterested, or other, otherwise inebriated, and you know, for other coaches, i.e. Bill Belichick to then say, hey, man, by the way, Bill Belichick texting is a bit of a joke, but Bill Belichick texting the wrong Brian and saying, hey, man, heard you got the job. Congrats. And the two quote unquote finalists being Brian Dable for the Giants and then Brian Flores and him texting the wrong Brian saying, hey, man, congrats on the job. And finding out, crap, that's the wrong Brian. And then Flores being like, well, my interview's in two days. If they've already given the job to somebody else, why are they calling me back? And so it brings up a really valid point, right? The Rooney rule, which was created to give external minority candidates an opportunity to interview for these positions has essentially become a a checkbox, right? It's become a, hey, I have a person in mind that I want to hire for the position, but my company tells me I need to have diverse candidates. So I bring in two people who are easy enough to bring in to qualify for the diverse candidate, in quotes, opportunity, bring them in, interview with them, 
do whatever, and then hire the person I was going to in the first place, right? This happens across the board and not just in the NFL and not just in sports. This happens everywhere. It happens at tech companies. It happens at banks. It happens everywhere. It's just a matter of the visibility that the NFL has and the clout which the NFL has. This becomes more and more prevalent. Like, we'll take a great example. Byron Leftwich, right? Like, he was offensive coordinator of the Bucks. Bucks have been doing pretty good the last few seasons with Tom Brady. But, you know, when, when they interviewed him for the Jacksonville position, where he played quarterback and he played with a broken leg. I mean, the man has given the franchise everything he could. And then it's like, oh, well, actually, we went with Doug Peterson. And nothing against Doug Peterson. He's a Super Bowl winning head coach. So he's got the pedigree, right? And Byron Leftwich, two years of offensive coordinator, and he had the benefit of Brady. So say what you want about whether he's qualified for a head coaching position or not. But at the same time, why why do the sham, right? Like why bring them in for the sake of bringing them in and then and then go with somebody else, right? It just feels like everyone has interviewed the diverse, the same set of diverse candidates, right? It's it's Brian Flores, it's uh, Eric Bieniemy, it's Pyron Lynch, and Anthony Lynn, um, the defensive coordinator for the Bucks. I am completely blanking on his name now. Raheem Morris. It's just it's one of those things where, like, the same five guys get interviewed for every position where there's a head coaching opportunity for the diversity. Again, in quotes to comply with the Rooney rule. And then a white guy gets the job. Right. And it's like, I mean, I, I, the Raiders just hired Josh McDaniels. The man has a really bad track record as head coach, like really bad. And he says, you know, in interviews and everything else, he's grown up, he spent, you know, 10 years with the Patriots. Now he knows how to communicate and, and, and be a team player. Now, let me ask you a question. If someone had, interviewed you for a head coaching position and you didn't have the leadership chops, why would you get the job? It makes no sense. It makes absolutely no sense that you would then say, oh, well, he's, you know, he's really done some soul searching. What about the rest of the people who showed up to the table with the diversity and the leadership skill sets that you were looking for the first time? Why not hire them at that point and give them an opportunity? If they stink, they stink. And you can accept that it was a royal mistake. But they didn't stink because of their race or their gender. They they stunk for various other reasons, right? Whether it be quality of the team that you put together for them, right? Their intrinsic leadership qualities, maybe not so hot as you initially thought, right? Those are all fine. When you measure them objectively and they are not performing up to a standard, that's fine. But it cannot be because of the skin color or their gender. It just is not fair. I, I agree with you, bro. I think it's, I think you said it very clearly in the sense of being white does not make you a better head coach intrinsically. Being black does not make you a better head coach intrinsically. Being a woman does not make you a better head coach intrinsically. None of these things make you a better head coach. There's not distinctly and intuitively a difference. The difference comes from your experience, from your intrinsic qualities as a person and as a leader. And what you're willing to do 
and the efforts that you make to connect with your players and your teammates and your colleagues. So I think that's the difference. And that's the clarity that people are looking for here is it's not about handouts. It's not about intrinsically, oh, you need diversity. You don't need diversity. It's everybody at the base has the same opportunity and they should have the same opportunity to be successful. 100%, bro. 100%. And on that point of, of gender diversity within, within sports. And as we mentioned in one of our previous podcast episodes where we hailed Kim Ung being hired as the general manager of the Marlins, um, she is actually the first woman who's held a GM position in the MLB. Now, it posits the question, why has it taken so long for someone who has been in the industry to move up to the role of GM? You see really young male GMs, but why is it that Kim Ung had to spend her entire career kind of toiling away just to get an opportunity to be GM and then was finally given an opportunity? Guys, again, that was 2020. Like we are in a different world now where people know and study sports as a passion and as a job. And it should not matter whether they are man or woman, of any race, um, they should be given a fair opportunity. Gautam and I do want to talk about really quickly about an experience that we had, because we know our listeners have probably had similar experiences themselves. So in 2012, Gautam and I and Dappa had gone to the NFL draft um, and were lucky enough to be 10 rows up uh, from the front at Radio City Music Hall when it was, when the NFL draft was still hosted in Radio City. And we had all of our Steelers garb on, we even got to sit with the guys who make the phone call to phone the pick in. You can check out our Facebook page for that. Yeah, um, I remember seeing the card. We saw the draft card, right? For Le'Veon yeah. Bell. We had the we had the draft card. We got to see the draft card for Le'Veon Bell. We were there when he got selected and actually made ESPN. And the Steelers were awesome. And they actually posted a photo of all of us kind of shouting and screaming while we were at the draft. Cause we were all excited. We, we knew we needed a running back and we were just excited to be there and excited that, you know, ESPN and Steelers fans cared. The surprising vitriol that we received online through social media was surprising. I mean, we were younger then and, and probably not as cool as we think we are now, but um, you know, to see people saying things like, you know, one fat white guy and three three brown people who have no idea what Steelers football is about and, like, don't know, like, how could they be our supporters and how could they be our fans? They're not representative of us. Was was shocking and, and really sad because Gautam and I, as you guys know, love, live, and breed sports. Whether that's just Gautam and I, you know, shooting the breeze on a weekend about, hey, <laughs> did you see that? Like, did you watch this game or, or even watching sports together? Him and I love sports and it's a part of our life. And for people to think that just because of the color of our skin, that we don't know what we're talking about or that we can't be fans of a certain team is really sad. And I hope that our listeners out there know that we appreciate you no matter who you are um, because you bring something unique to this world. So thank you guys again for, for listening. Um, one aspect of kind of the reverse of diversity that we did want to also talk about is um, Asians and scripts, right? Script spelling bee. If you look at it most years, man, our Indian homies are freaking fantastic at spelling bees. 
Now, most people will not consider that a sport. Now, if you ask LeBron, how many hours a day do you devote to basketball? Probably most of it. Maybe not at this point in his career, but probably earlier on. If you look at what these poor kids have to go through to prep for scripts, you will realize that that is quite the sport. It requires hours and hours and hours of meticulous understanding of roots of words, place of origin, understanding what vowel and what letters are either silent or, or prevalent in a certain language, it, which will reflect in the actual spelling of the word. And it actually goes to a point, right, of like, how were we raised? I think, Gautam, you and I can confidently say that Appanama never thought our career in life would be in sports and told us from a very young age that, hey, you need to pay the bills. The percentage of people who go into sports, lower. And so what did we do? Yeah. We pursued our passion in sports as a hobby. And so here we are today, guys, have our own podcast. But at the same time, for some reason, scripts feels academic, right? Instead of it being considered an, an athletic endeavor. And so I think there is something to be said just about our upbringing that probably goes to, hey, there is something about having a trophy from scripts versus having a trophy from, you know, Biddy basketball or AAU basketball. Um, but we did want to acknowledge that there are certain things where diversity does sway the other way and where there is a lack of white representation in those sports as well. Absolutely. As, as we've been saying, right, it can't be all one or the other. It's statistically significant one end, it's statistically significant in the other. That doesn't mean either is okay. It just points to the fact of there is clearly a difference here. And what we said at the beginning, right, it's not just about picking the, you know, the most talented or the, the right coaches for the job. It's creating a pipeline to ensure that you can always have that talent available to choose. And that matters on both sides. Yeah, I still remember when I wanted to be a commentator back in the day. Remember Monday Night Football, I'd just be commentating instead of the game. No offense to John Madden. He was good at what he did. But uh, I like to think I brought a little flair, a little color commentary to the action as well. Absolutely, man. It's the best. It's the best part of watching sports together is that usually we can pull stats and everything else just as fast as the research team on a lot of these commentary uh, groups can, you know, whether it be Joe Buck and Troy Aikman or the guys, uh, you know, Steve Levy, Lewis Riddick and Brian Greasy on Monday Night Football. Um, still brushing up to, to get on Doris Burke's level, but she is freaking phenomenal as a, as an NBA commentator and, and, and ESPN are very lucky to have her. Absolutely, bro. So I think that actually brings us to the end of our deep dive for today. Hope you guys have all enjoyed listening. Please go ahead and leave your comments in the post below or send us a note because we'd love to hear from you. And if you haven't had an experience where, you know, your diversity has really helped out, or you've really had a negative experience, you know, feel free to share with us. We'd love to hear what you guys are going through and just know that you guys aren't alone and that, you know, there is a place for diversity in this world and you guys can do it. Yeah. Diversity is a beautiful thing. We're very excited to hopefully bring a different flair to, as I said before, monochromatic commentary. Um, but it's uh, it's an exciting time in the world that we are today. At least we are blessed that we can talk about this. Um, and we look forward to diversity improving, not only just in sports, but um, equity and gender equality around the world. So with that, we're going to sign off on this episode of the Sports Masala podcast. Thank you all for listening. Uh, we look forward to seeing you guys on our next episode. Have a good one.